0: Welcome to the Cloudonaut podcast. My name is Andreas and you are listening to volume four of the AWS to-go series. So get started with AWS or broaden your knowledge while walking, biking, running, driving or whenever you enjoy listening to podcasts. There are three things I want to highlight before we get started. First of all, the AWS to-go series is based on our book, Amazon Web Service in Action published by Manning. And we are currently in the progress of writing the third edition. Many chapters are already available for reading, so you should get your copy today and check the video description or the show notes for details. Second, AWS expertise is in high demand. So, our partner Demicon, for example, is hiring a senior lead full stack developer working remotely from somewhere in the EU. Your favorite technology stack should include JavaScript or TypeScript, Angular or React, and of course, a lot of AWS. And also our partner TechRacer is hiring cloud consultants focusing on AWS and DevOps. So you should definitely apply when you like building with infrastructures, code, containers, continuous integration, and so on. Join TechRacer in Hannover, Duisburg, Frankfurt, Hamburg, Munich, Vienna, Lisbon and Lucerne. Again, for both Demicon and TechRacer, check out the show notes slash video description for details about the open positions and apply. And third, finally, I'm switching to use Stefan. Steffen, welcome to the show. So this is our fourth recording of the AWS to go series. Um, I'm so happy to have you uh, aboard again. So, Stefan, you are a web and front end developer. So, I promise you, um, what we discussed today is definitely out of interest for you and should feel a lot more familiar <laughs> to you already. So,
1: welcome to the show, Stefan. Hi, everyone. Hi, Andreas. Thanks for having me again. I'm looking forward to this episode.
0: Perfect. So, um, so let's get started. The topic for today is infrastructure as code, and if you follow along, you can check out chapter four of our book AWS in Action, the f- the third edition. Okay. Um. So yeah. So let's get started. So, Stefan, um, when you hear the term infrastructure as code, do you have already a feeling or an idea of what all of this will be about. Have you ever heard of that term before or do you have a basic understanding already?
1: Um, Not really. Like um, how would I imagine infrastructure as a code is, um, like out of the blue, I would say it's, code I can run in AWS and this code executes or does any um, yeah it's a program basically I could run somewhere um, so I don't know for example I could run a code which spins up um, an EC2 instance for me
0: mm-hmm. yeah so I think yeah that's a very good description already. So before we dive into the topic already, thank you for that. Okay. So yes, yeah, so I think the, the thing you... Uh, I always start with when I explain um, programming um, against the AWS is... So the important thing about AWS is it's called Amazon Web Services. And Web Services means the idea behind all of that is that you can control all of the AWS services by calling a web service. So basically over the web, so over the internet, you reach out to an interface, typically that's a REST interface, REST API, and by doing so, you can fully control the service. That means you can control all your cloud computing infrastructure by making calls to REST APIs. And that's, I think, the, the real powerful concept behind of AWS, and all the tools we will discuss today basically rely on the fact that there is an API for all those services. So it's true for 99% of all AWS services. And you can use them to program interactions with AWS instead of clicking through the management console, which is their graphical user interface. So that's what we will talk about today. So how to make use of that API, or maybe you could call it APIs because it's a lot of them (laughs) for different services, and how to make use of that to automate um, your Mm -hmm. infrastructure. That's basically uh, what this is all about. So the first thing I want to uh, talk about, so now we have the understanding that there is an API for all of our services, for example, for starting a virtual machine with easy two or for storing data with S3. And there are uh, three different approaches that I uh, want to go through today, uh, Stefan. And this is, the first one is called the command line interface. <laughs> so, Stefan, so have you ever programmed a shell script? Are you familiar with that? Uh,
1: a very small one. <laughs> very small. Okay, that's yeah. fine because
0: <laughs> this is really for very, very. I would say it's for really basic things that you want um, to uh, to write into a short script. So, the CLI. So the terminal so you start the terminal on your machine and then you can use the command line interface already so just in your i don't know what you prefer zsh or i don't know bash or what have you and um you can basically use the cli just to type in commands interactively and i do that a lot in my day-to-day work so i do that to for example um, launch, uh, what we will talk about later, CloudFormation stacks, I do that to copy data on S3. So, for example, Stefan, one thing I always, and I, I told you how to do that already, and you have done so. <laughs> so, this is the CLI to copy data to S3. You remember that? The AWS S3 sync command that I told that you've used to upload and download our video files. This is the command line interface uh, that you have been using already. So mm-hmm. that's um, the thing I'm talking here. And the CLI, so basically, I'm using it for two things. So first, I'm using it in my terminal when I just hack around and uh, type stuff to get things uh, working on AWS. And then the other area where I use it is basically when I have very um, basic functionality that I want to automate. And mostly that's, um, then I need to automate a few things, for example, when an EC2 instance starts. Then I write a short shell script, and this shell script uses the CLI to, I don't know, create a DNS record or attach a volume, stuff like that. So just making a few API calls to AWS with the help of the CLI, and then bundling that in a bash script typically. So I'm really using that only for very simple Mm -hmm. scenarios because I'm not a very good shell script (laughs) programmer. So I need a more (laughs) advanced language when it gets more complicated, but for very basic things, I'm using that a lot. Yeah, so that's um, what the CLI is about. So I highly recommend, so after you got familiar with AWS and the management console, and as you have already now installed, Stefan, the CLI on your machine, so I really recommend checking out how that works and how to interact with AWS in this way, because you will learn a lot about the underlying APIs, and that's, I would say important um, when you want to make sure to um, yeah really learn the concepts, because the management console, the graphical user interface hides a lot of the uh, uh, complexity, and sometimes it's more yeah it's uh, really beneficial to know about the details, to know about the APIs that are lying underneath. So um, that is a, a recommendation for me to check out the CLI um, and it makes some things, especially if you repeat a lot of tasks regularly, um, a lot more interesting.
1: That would have been also one of my first questions, what you would recommend for a beginner if it's more the management console or a CLI. Um, but I guess that's answer it if you want to understand it, use the CLI. If you just want to do stuff without understanding, uh, probably you're better with the management console.
0: <laughs> uh, I would, yeah. So that's, yeah. So I would say um, I would start with the management console because it's the the, the easiest way to get started. But then I'd um, uh, the second step I used I'd use the CLI, for example, to get more familiar mm-hmm. with the API. So I think start with the management console, but then after you. Um, did your first experiments, then use the CLI, for example, to to dive into that. Okay, so, and um, uh, another story that I, I like to tell is, so that's actually how I learned AWS at the very beginning. So my first steps were, I was setting up an infrastructure by clicking through the management console. And then I realized, oh no, I need to do the same thing over and over again because we had... A production system and test systems and i basically wanted to set up the whole infrastructure twice or multiple times actually to to provide test mm-hmm. environments and uh, so um because i'm lazy and also because i make a lot of mistakes when i need to click around because i for- tend to forget hundreds of things um then the next step for me was um, to to write a shell script and to automate at least parts of spinning up an infrastructure uh, from scratch. And I was using the CLI to do so. But then, um, as I told you already, I'm not a very good, <laughs> um, I don't know shell scripts very, very <laughs> well. So I'm Googling a lot. I'm looking on Stack Overflow a lot and then trying to um, build up my uh, scripts. But... Um, Obviously, it for me as a as as I'm coming from as I'm started as a software developer, it makes sense to use a, a programming language instead. So the next step that I did is um, I started to use um, one of the AWS SDKs. So nowadays there is an mm-hmm. SDK for I would say almost every programming language out there, at least the more popular ones. So there's, of course, JavaScript, Java, Ruby, Python, Go, of course. Um, so And there's, of course, the Microsoft, uh, the, the, the .NET world, the C-sharp world, um, PHP. I don't know. I don't know if I <laughs> forgot anything, but there's really a lot um, of SDKs available, many of them maintained by AWS as well. Um so um, this is a really good start if you already n- knew, uh, know a programming language very well and are familiar with that because, yeah, it makes things a lot easier if you have a more complex uh, programming language, at least for me. And uh, so that's the C- what the CDKs are all about. So Stefan, that's probably something you are familiar as a front-end developer in the JavaScript world. You know all those um, SDKs or you call it frameworks, frameworks. Um, uh, to build your stuff. And basically you, you learn um, the way you interact with the ap- underlying API by calling uh, functions and stuff like that. Um, so that's, yeah, very yeah. similar to
1: very common. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And so it's very straightforward, easy to get started with. Um, I personally, I'm a, a JavaScript, no JS guy. So I'm using the uh, SDK for JavaScript and um a few maybe typical things I do um, with the AWS SDK. So one example of what I do a lot is when I um, program um, by using other AWS services, for example, when I, I program for our chatbot, Marbot, then I use the SDK a lot to write data to DynamoDB or to read data from S3, all that stuff. So that's a very typical mm-hmm. um, scenario for me and um also for example bucket av which is another product uh that i'm developing on um there we send messages to sqs this is another api call that i do over uh, by using the uh javascript sdk uh stuff like that so really to integrate with all those aws services i'm using uh, the cdk a lot so when i really ra- ra- when i'm really programming and writing an application than the CDK, uh, the SDK, sorry, it's the obvious choice. The CDK, <laughs> <laughs> the cloud development kit, maybe let's, <laughs> let's get that elephant out of the room. So this is um, basically to program your infrastructure. That's something we will talk about uh, in a few minutes. Um, that's the other uh, option available. Um, yeah, so that's maybe the difference between the CLI, which is for, uh, interactive use in my terminal and for very simple bash scripts. And then the SDK is for more complex scenarios and especially whenever I basically build um, by using AWS services. Um, so it's not not that much like spinning easy C. two instances and stuff, but more like using a NoSQL database, using one of their messaging systems, stuff like that. Does that sound... Reasonable, or do you? Is that something, yeah, that you get from from my description?
1: I didn't understand the last part, like uh, audio wise. <laughs>
0: ah, okay. Uh, yeah, so so a typical use case for um, for uh, the, the the SDK is whenever I write a program, an application that makes use of AWS services. So think of a queuing system or a messaging system, sending emails, mm-hmm. all that stuff. Whenever I do some more, I would say more complex scenarios um, where I basically integrate multiple AWS services together with my source code, um, that's when I uh, make use of um, the SDK.
1: Yeah, that sounds. That sounds uh, basically like I also use the CLI for smaller stuff to, yeah, as you already said, you're lazy and then you want to shorten things and just type in something small to, um, yeah, to just run, uh, multiple commands, um, at once and then using SDKs for more complex stuff. Yeah. that sounds very familiar. Okay.
0: Yeah. Cool. So so, we already discussed um, two different approaches. So, one is uh, CLI, the other is the SDKs. And now um, we are diving into um, what I would really call um, descriptive infrastructure as code. So, the problem is <laughs> with both approaches that we discussed so far that, so, when you now, so imagine, uh, Stefan, you want to spin up an AWS cloud infrastructure from scratch. So, that means uh, typically, you need to create a lot of resources that depend on each other. I'd like to give you a few examples. So, for example, you need to um, create a networking configuration with VPC. So that's the first step. Then, after you did that, you can spin up an EC2 instance. But the EC2 instance, which is maybe running a web server, might need uh, a database so you need, before spinning up the ec 2 instance, you need to spin up an RDS database instance. Uh, and to do so, you need a security group, which includes the firewall rules. So <laughs> so uh, what you get from, from that description is um, there is a lot of um, things that depend on each other. And basically, if you try to have a linear script with just commands after each other, you need to figure out, oh, in which order do i need to execute these commands to make things work and that can get quite complex so that's one problem Mm -hmm. and the second problem is imagine now you're not spinning up the infrastructure from scratch but maybe you use the script and you spin up the initial version of the infrastructure but now you notice oh i need to I don't know, add a new service or change something to the existing infrastructure. And then, so how do you do that? You need a second script for that, uh, but you need to make sure that the state that you are coming from... um, that the commands basically make all those changes that are necessary. So what you need to do is you need to keep track of the current state of everything and you need to remember what changes to apply because otherwise if you run the same script twice or if you forgot to run the previous script in production, stuff like that, uh, things will fail because the, the state that you basically rely on is not yet configured, for example. So it's really getting complex, especially for updating stuff. Um, so that's actually what I learned myself. Um, as I told you, I started with CLI. Then I wrote uh, something with SDK uh, in Node. Um, but then I realized, mm-hmm. oh, oh, God, I cannot do that on my own. <laughs> <So> basically, <laughs> I need something else here because <laughs> that's getting too crazy. Yeah? Um, or another good example, Stephanie, is I imagine you need to delete uh, the whole infrastructure. <laughs> so you want to remove all resources. We talked about that already. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we did. We did when we, we discussed the WordPress example correctly. And so that's another thing. So yeah. if you use the CLI and the SDK, um, you need to write your delete script on your own and you have the same problem. You need to delete things in the right order, otherwise it wouldn't work. So yeah, it's, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's getting really complicated really fast. <laughs> so yeah, so that's... Um, I was struggling with that. And actually, I didn't know about a solution for the problem. And luckily, someone, I, I don't remember exactly who it was, but someone told me, hey, you should check out CloudFormation.
1: And I was, okay, yeah,
0: let's do, let's have a look into CloudFormation. What is that? Sounds crazy. <laughs> let's, let's check it out. And I, and I had a look <laughs> into it. And um, basically, uh, what is what is CloudFormation? So what's the difference um, CloudFormation is a tool, I would call it an infrastructure as code tool. And what you do is think of it as a configuration file, a huge configuration file where you describe the the state of the architecture or the state of the infrastructure that you want to achieve. So you're not describing the current state. You're not describing the steps that are needed to go from here to there. You're just describing the target state of your infrastructure And then you're handing that over to CloudFormation. And what CloudFormation will do for you is it will basically calculate and analyze all the resources that you defined. It will analyze Mm -hmm. all the dependencies. It will compare it to the current state of the infrastructure. And then it will basically apply the changes that are needed to go from the current state to the target state. So when you start from scratch, it's it's simple, it just means create all those resources for me. But when you have something already in place, CrowdFormation will just figure out, oh, I need to make a small modification here, a small modification there, I need to do that in that order and so on. So basically that's the job of the tool. (laughs) We only define the target state. That's the beauty of it. And- um,
1: So so, so just mm -hmm. did I get that? So I have one template um as like one cloud formation template and no matter no matter in which state my current instance is um i don't have to adjust anything like i just define i want to have this and no matter if it's a already running instance or if it's a fresh one i just can apply this the same template did i get that right Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, it get, it's even going further. So, for example, let's say you,
0: you you define that you want to have a running virtual machine with a few specific, um, yeah. I don't know, instance type, security group, and so on. And now you decide, oh, I need to mm-hmm. change the instance type or I need to change the security group, the mm-hmm. firewall rules. You're just um, modifying the template um, to the configuration file. Mm-hmm and you're applying that template to the current state of the the whole infrastructure. And then CloudFormation will figure out what it needs to do to achieve that. So it might be possible to just apply the change on the fly without any interruption. It might be necessary to spin up a new EC2 instance and delete the old one. Uh, uh, So there are all of different uh, things that might need to happen to achieve the new state, but CloudFormation will figure that out for you. Um, so that's the, uh, the interesting
1: aspect here. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. That sounds very easy, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it actually
0: is. So, so basically, um, uh, and I want to mention that um, CloudFormation is not the only tool that is uh, using the same principle. The other very popular choice is Terraform. And um, then there is uh, Mm -hmm. a popular one, which is called the CDK, which is basically an abstraction layer on top of cloud formation. So that's, I would say that's the most um, um, popular options for doing infrastructure code in this declarative approach, as some call it. So basically we declare our um, target state of our infrastructure and the tool figures out um, everything else. And one side effect of this is um, that um, those tools are then also able to delete everything <laughs> that they created because they keep track of the resources and the state of them. And that's the, uh, the interesting thing here. So um, maybe I want... Yeah, it's,
1: it- it's, it's basically like... Sorry. It, it's basically like um, you already mentioned it, it's declar- declarative... So it's basically using in an abstract form, I would say. <laughs> um, it, it, it works the same like I, MySQL, uh, for those who maybe uh, can't uh, imagine how this works. So I just tell um, with a with the MySQL, I tell the database, I want to have this table with this information and the rest is figured out by SQL and it just gives me, provides me the information and the template works the same way. I just tell it like, hey, this is the state I want to have, figure it out, right?
0: Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm not sure if that example works that well because with, uh, with a uh, SQL statement, um, for example, if you do create table, you cannot apply the same statement mm-hmm. twice because the second time will fail because the table already exists. Um, the second time you need to do some alter That's table or yes. something. So it's actually, um, this is more like having a CLI bash script uh, as a SQL uh, script. Um, it's mm-hmm. a good question what it compares to actually. So, <laughs> <laughs> very good question. Uh, I don't actually know a good, um, a good other example. No, I'm not, I can't think of anything. Yeah, uh, whereas uh, yeah, that works in a in a similar way. So maybe could you say HTML is maybe a little bit like that, where you describe how everything should look like and uh you're not telling um yeah, maybe it's a good example. HTML and yeah. CSS is maybe a good example because you're not it's, telling your browser yeah. paint something here or <laughs> paint something there, you just tell it uh here's a table, it should be yellow, and the browser figures out uh, how to do things? Maybe that's a good, um, a good comparison. It's,
1: yeah, that's a good one. Yeah,
0: yeah. Okay, and so and then maybe we can. I want to quickly dive through. So how does it look like to cre- to work with CloudFormation? So when I I use it, I still use it a lot. I was a very huge fan at the beginning. Over the la- past few years, <laughs> so as as with every tool, you learn a lot about the limitations, and one of the Limitations of um, cloud formation is that for some reason, AWS is behind implementing all the new features and services for cloud formation because you need the tool to support all those different attributes properties of yours of the services um, and so I was looking more into terraform recently and but 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 it doesn 't matter so how how does it look to work with cloud formation so how do you um define your target state. So um, with CloudFormation, uh, you can do so by either writing a JSON file, <laughs> which is <laughs> which is you can do that, but um, uh, probably uh, <laughs> a YAML file is more convenient because you have less <laughs> less syntax um, to write. <coughs> uh, and so the YAML file basically um, contains a few sections. And um, the most important one is the so-called resources section. And in the resources section, you just define um, the different um, resources that your infrastructure consists of. I give you a few examples. So an EC2 instance is, for example, a resource. Or an S3 bucket mm-hmm. is a resource. Or um, uh, what, have, what else did we discuss already? So a load balancer gets its own resource. Actually, it consists of multiple resources like uh, the load balancer and the target group and so on. So uh, basically, um, those resources translate to the resources that are behind the APIs. (laughs) So basically, you have um, another way to, again, to interact with the AWS API. Because underneath, of course, CloudFormation is just calling the AWS APIs. From all those services. So um, that's why if you know CloudFormation, you can more or less transfer your knowledge to Terraform or to the CDK because the underlying API, (laughs) the AWS API is the same. So this abstraction on top of that is very close to the API typically. So that's why um, basically what you learn is you learn about the resources that the AWS API provides that you can uh, interact with the so create, delete, update, and so on. Um, so that's how that works. And then for each of those resources, you define the exact configuration. So you define, for a virtual machine, for example, you need to define the instance type, the AMI, the networking configuration, the IAM role, stuff like that. So all, that, all the details that we discussed in the last episode basically are available as properties for the resource, and you can in a really fine granular way define all those um, attributes for uh, this example, the virtual machine, and for other uh, resources, of course, as well. So, yeah, and there mm-hmm. is an basically there is a, a documentation page that you go to where there's a list of all those properties for all those resources. And by using that, you can figure out <laughs> what do I what do I need to get to put together, and that's basically like solving a puzzle. <laughs> so I need this resource, but to create that, I need another one, and then and so on and so on. And um, one one important aspect is um, you can think of it as a, maybe as a variable, Stefan. So um, basically, within the CloudFormation template, each resource gets a name. So think of it like a variable name. And with that, you can Mm -hmm. reference it within the template. And so you can now say, "Oh, this resource um, basically needs as an input something from the other resource. Uh, And by that, um, you are building those dependencies uh, into the CloudFormation template, into the YAML file. Uh, So yes, really think of it like, as using a variable and then using that variable to get attributes of that object uh, on different places in the template. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, it makes sense. Two questions uh, on the template. So first of all, um, thinking of a YAML file, especially with a lot of instant types and rules I have to um, be aware of, Um, how names are called and so on. Um, How is the arrow handling done in AWS? Is there an arrow handling? um, Like, I don't know, I put my template in there and it tells me like, hey, this line is not correct. Or does it just tell me like your template doesn't work and I have to figure it out by my own?
0: Mm -hmm. Uh, That's a very good question, (laughs) Stefan. So, yeah, the thing is, so so CloudFormation is, uh, as I said, it's a YAML file. So first of all, there is no types or stuff like that. So there's no way um, that gets compiled or the the editor, the IDE can check (laughs) whether that thing that you're typing in is correct or not. Uh, So first, the answer is no. There is no (laughs) syntax checking, but... Happily, um, yeah, Luckily, there is tools for that. So one that I use a lot is called CFN Lint. So a linter for cloud formation. And this is basically a tool that you can mm-hmm. use. And I have installed that into Visual Code and um, the other IDs that I'm using from time to time. And basically, whenever I make a change to my template, it checks in the background whether the syntax is valid. Uh, it, it doesn't cover all aspects um but it it covers many many of them and it it knows about the available properties it even goes deeper in even checking some security related stuff and so on so it's a really good tool to help you writing a cloud formation template um but it's maybe not what you are (laughs) familiar with um so as a as a typescript i don't know are you are you using typescript stefan
1: I've used it, yes. yes. Okay,
0: so, so there is that other approach. Um, this is getting more and more popular, which is the CDK, which provides you, think of it like um, um, yeah, a library that you can use for multiple um, programming language to write CloudFormation templates, basically. So in the end, this generates a CloudFormation template for you. And there is one mm-hmm. available for TypeScript, and what that means is it basically generates uh TypeScript, how are they called classes or, I don't know, any type definitions, I think is the correct yeah. term. And it generates mm-hmm. those for you. And that means when when you type, um, when you program uh, your, your infrastructure as code with the CDK, uh, with TypeScript, then um, it's, it's basically possible to kind of compile <laughs> all that thing and basically... Um, notice errors right when you're typing it so that's the the typed version of cloud formation you could say so that's um I, i would say a very interesting approach it's a lot faster because it's um yeah almost impossible to make a lot of mistakes and yeah there are some other benefits um but but i would say that's a really important one and yeah so that's the uh the answer to that question <laughs> so you had another one do you still remember the the second question <laughs> yeah
1: um the another one was um can i like because like imagining um if i have like a complex setup that my cloud formation template would become very very uh chaotic at some point so is it possible that I can reference one CloudFormation template with the other one so that I'm like basically have a generic uh, template for spinning up an EC2 instance and then another one, which is just um, there to spin up, for example, an S3 bucket?
0: Wow. I love your question, Stefan. <laughs> this is really, really good <laughs> one. Another bit. So yes. So Totally. So when you start with CloudFormation for the first time, you notice that you get quite a long template with (laughs) hundreds, thousands of lines defining your infrastructure. And then um, the the question arises, is there a way to modulize (laughs) my infrastructure's code setup? Can I have some modules for, I don't know, the networking stuff, the application layer stuff, the database, maybe some stuff like that? And yes, so there are different approaches, (laughs) unfortunately, to do so. So with with CloudFormation, (laughs) um, you have the option to... There are two options. One is called nested stacks. And you can think of it... So basically, instead of defining one Mm -hmm. template, you define multiple templates. And then you use another template (laughs) to initialize um, the other templates. So basically, yeah, you, you have another one that just spins up uh, the other templates. So that's one approach. The other approach that uh, Michael and I are using with one of our GitHub um, projects, which is called um, AWS CF templates. um, There we basically, there are different templates available that you can use to spin up stuff like, uh, I don't know, the the VPC with the networking configuration or a database. And those are just standalone Templates that you can just start, mm-hmm. but then there is something that is called exports. So mm-hmm. think of it as a, a global variable <laughs> in in CloudFormation, and you can basically export values so that other stacks um, are able to read those informations. And so you can basically loosely couple um, multiple templates, multiple stacks with each other. So that's another approach, and. For example, then when we talk about Terraform, which is the other tool, this has a very strong concept of modules, very cool one, very easy to use. There's a public library that you can easily um, use or you can have your own private modules as well, stuff like that. And the CDK is really um, built with that in mind as well. With those module uh, thinking, um, they call it constructs. Higher level constructs, so with with writing very little code, you can basically spin up <laughs> a lot of infrastructure there, so yes, there are um different ways to um yeah modulize uh, your infrastructure as code
1: that that's great because i as a web developer and frontend developer, you do that anyway so yeah if you can do it in those templates as well, that's great
0: <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely yeah um very good question yeah, so let me think um whether I've forgot to mention something important about infrastructure so one thing I want to mention is so um so we, we talked about how do you get into all of that, <laughs> so how do you get started with a w s and so I would say the natural way um to get into those things is start with the management console, click around, play around, build examples, follow demos, all that stuff. And then check out the CLI um, to get a little bit more familiar with the underlying APIs. And then I think it's really important to make the next step and use I don't I don't mind CloudFormation, Terraform, or the CDK. I think that's the, the most obvious uh, choice those days. And make use of those because it um, really simplifies the whole process and it allows you to automate um, spinning up and managing your cloud infrastructure. And when I compare organizations, so there are a lot of organizations out there where they just click through the management console to spin up all their infrastructure. But when I compare those to those, in, to those organizations that are really uh, relying on infrastructure as code, there is a huge gap between those organizations because you increase, first of all, the effectiveness of your engineers. So think about you can just spin up another test environment from scratch within minutes, without, um, uh, mm-hmm. even without making any mistakes on the way. So that's a big important one. And the other one is um, it's getting more reliable to roll out changes because what we do a lot is we have deployment pipelines and they apply the, the infrastructure as code template from CloudFormation first to the test environment and then to the production environment. So in case there's something in there that might break or fail or something, we usually learn that before pushing it to production or at least in many, many times we do learn so. And um, also it really gets possible to apply the same changes to multiple infrastructures in exact the same way and that's especially important in case you are deploying your infrastructure not only in one region not only into one of the data centers but worldwide into multiple regions and then that gets even more important that you are mm-hmm. <laughs> automating the whole process really to the end and that's why i think um as code with this declarative approach this is really a game changer and a tool that uh, everyone that works with AWS uh, should get familiar with.
1: Okay. That really sounds like that. I I guess it was hidden somewhere in your, uh, in in your, where it's used. Um, But I could also imagine like without, Never working as a consultant, <laughs> but um, using those CloudFormation templates to, I don't know if there's maybe um, cost-wise a better uh, instance type for certain customers that you just um, uh, can change a CloudFormation template and roll that out to all of your customers, um, mm-hmm. which is also very effective, I guess.
0: hmm Yeah, totally. So uh, that's a very common thing to do when you run a consulting business, you try to. So that's why we created those open source projects with our CloudFormation templates. Because whenever we Mm -hmm. work for um, a consulting client, um, we try to use those templates at least to get 80% of the job done. Because most of the things Mm -hmm. are very similar in every project, right? And there are, of course, some details then often to some of the uh, applications and infrastructures that you need. But we try to cover 80% with our open source templates and then the 20% that differentiates the customer from others is then something we need to uh, work on uh, individually. But of course, yeah, that's another um, important issue. And also check out the... open source uh, community because there are, for all those, for Terraform CDK and for CloudFormation, there are open source projects available that get you started and you don't have to reinvent the wheel (laughs) over and over again. So just use those things and get familiar with those projects. There uh, are good examples there. Okay, Uh, so I think... um, I would like to summarize um, what we discussed today. So um, I think the important thing to remember is um, AWS is all about APIs. So there is an API to control uh, every service. There's an API to control every aspect of your cloud infrastructure that enables you to uh, automate managing your cloud infrastructure with the CLI or with uh, an SDK or what I would prefer, uh, with a declarative infrastructure as code tool like CloudFormation Terraform or the CDK. And um, this is uh, really powerful um, and I would really highly recommend to get into automating uh, the things and not clicking through the management console, uh, at least not for production systems. Okay. So um, this was another episode of the AWS To Go um, series of the Cloud On Out podcast. So um, if, you learned, if, if you did learn something new by listening to this podcast episode, so I'd like to ask you for a favor. So please tell your friends and coworkers about Cloud On Out and specifically this podcast episodes. Uh, also leave a review, uh, leave a rating uh, of what we do And our work on Cloudonaut is possible only because of your support. So therefore, we want to thank all of our supporters because with your help, we can continue to produce independent and high-quality content focused on AWS. And if you're not already doing so, please consider supporting us with a one-time or recurring donation. You will find all the details in the video description and the show notes. So thanks for listening, and we'll be back soon, Stefan, right? With another episode uh, of AWS To Go.
1: Yeah, for sure. Very cool. (laughs) (laughs) So bye.